Hi, and welcome to Sister Codes, a podcast hosted by me, Ashley, and Kaylee. We're sisters who talk about their journey in tech. We're excited to share our experiences working in technology in two different countries and get real with what it's really like being a minority in one of the fastest growing industries in the world. In this episode, we're going to be talking about COVID and how it's affected the job market and our jobs individually. So welcome, everybody. I'm Kaylee, a software engineer working full-time for a finance company in New York City. At the present moment, I'm in Vermont, quarantining since March. And I'm Ashley, a web designer and software engineer, and I just graduated from a university in Scotland with a bachelor's in computer science. We're really excited to bring to you one of the first episodes of our podcast, Sister Codes. We're a little bit born out of the quarantine that we decided that we were having a lot of really in-depth discussions about COVID, the impact on the job market, new and emerging technologies, the impact of the recent hearing in front of Congress of some of the big tech giants. And we really wanted to share our perspectives with you all. We are both women in tech working in finance industries. We've had a lot of parallels between our our experiences of majoring in computer science in the U.S. versus the U.K. and also starting a job remotely. And we wanted to bring to you all some of the advice and some of our experiences. And we think that you all could learn something along the way. I finished out my studies uh, here at home because we were asked to move home after COVID started. Our university told us to. So... Now I've just been at home and my job start date has been delayed for a bit. So I'm just spending time getting back to some hobbies and learning some new skills. So like a lot of university students, Ashley knows what it's like to have to transition from a in-person learning to a remote within a matter of weeks. She actually was on the, I think the last flight back from the UK before the the international travel ban per se went into effect for the US. So it was a little terrifying watching the president make his address on a Wednesday night stating that basically we were going to be closing all non-US citizens from um, entering the country as of Friday and her flight was on Friday evening. So what was that like for you? Uh, It was pretty terrifying, and I think like most students, uh, I had to pack up my whole apartment and my whole life at university in basically two days. Um, I ended up leaving with one of my friends who is also from the U.S., but we left even before the university gave proper guidance saying you should pack up your entire apartment and go home. They were kind of just saying, oh, you'll be gone for spring break, but maybe pack as if you can't come back home, so... It was very strange, and I left some things at my apartment because I did think I would be coming back eventually, but I had to get someone to pack up everything, and yeah, that was just the end of my university experience, which was very strange. Yeah, I honestly cannot imagine that. Um, For reference, Ashley goes to school in Scotland, in the UK, (laughs) and had to come home very suddenly. Uh, Luckily, it was at the beginning of spring break, so she still had an airline ticket, Mm -hmm. but it was a very abrupt end to her semester. We had all planned to go as a family to visit her graduation, which was supposed to be this past June, and obviously none of that has happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So what was it like for you specifically finishing your classes virtually? So I don't think it was that bad because we did have lectures that were pre-recorded. Uh, some classes did them in in live time. So that was like 5 or 6 a.m. for me. So I obviously wasn't waking up at 5 or 6 a.m. to listen to them. But 
yeah, I think some of my teachers did a really great job of making sure that we had the support that we needed to finish out. Um, specifically with my dissertation, my supervisors were really good about still doing a weekly meeting over uh, Microsoft Teams. And yeah, it wasn't too bad. I think for some people uh, who needed library books and things like that, it might have been harder for their for their dissertation work. But for me, since I do everything over my computer, it was, it was pretty good. I know a lot of students, especially those who are going to be freshmen or mm-hmm. seniors, headed into this fall are really anxious because most universities, it seems like, have a plan to at least try and attempt in-person classes, mm-hmm. with the exception being, obviously, for anybody who's ultra-concerned, having the option of being completely remote. So mm-hmm. is there any advice that you would give to students who are anxious about either returning for another semester of virtual class or you know, students who are going into university for the first time with no real baseline for what a normal university experience is like. I don't know. I feel like that's so hard because it is really sad that people aren't going to get the university experience that most people have. You can't really socialize with people the way that you were going to. You don't really have that in-person experience for classes where you can have discussions. I mean, you can over Zoom and things like that, but it's just much harder. Um... I'm not really sure. I would just say try and keep a good work-life balance because they'll probably be in their dorms most of the time. So you need to have, you know, time to relax and time that you're not doing schoolwork, you know, exercise or whatever you want to do, what type of self-care works for you. But yeah, it's going to be really hard. I feel really bad for everybody who's starting in their freshman year, you know, at least people who are going into their junior year or something like that. They've already had a little bit of the college experience, but yeah, it does suck. And now on to the topic of jobs. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about what your plans were for this fall before Mm -hmm. everything's happened with COVID and then kind of how you've had to adapt from there? Yeah. So I got an internship in the summer of 2019 at a bank in Scotland. So I was over there and I did a nine week internship and it was really great. And at the end, I was offered a full time job. So I was supposed to start that job today (laughs) um, in the UK, but obviously I am still here at home with my family and that's because my start date has been delayed because I haven't been able to get my UK work visa. So at the moment we're still just waiting on getting the work visa, but at the same time it's quite difficult because I don't know what it's going to be like moving to a new country right now and it's not very safe in the US. As we all know, case numbers are very high. I think we just hit 170,000 deaths from COVID today. So it's not safe to travel. Um, The logistics of it are very stressful, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm right there with you. Mm -hmm. So for context, I recently started on a new team remotely. So Mm -hmm. in March, pretty much the week after, I think I started social distancing slash self-isolating. I actually ended up approaching my manager in the first week of March stating that I was not comfortable coming into the office. Mm -hmm. For reference, my office is um, in downtown Manhattan in the financial district. So a lot of people, I I was required to take um, two forms of public transit to get to my office. And that's not to mention elevators, the kiosks where you swipe your badge in in the mornings, Mm -hmm. um, countless other touch points, everything from the bathrooms to the kitchen areas. Uh, And I was really not comfortable considering we have 12,000 people plus another 6,000 commuting in from all areas around the tri-state area. So Mm -hmm. I approached my manager to state that I wasn't comfortable coming into the office, which luckily he was very supportive about. But about a week after we went into a full company-wide work-from-home mandate, 
uh, you know, complying with, of course, all of the national, the local government guidelines because everything around the time was going into quarantine. So we were on lockdown, essentially. Right after that, I was already in the process of speaking with somebody about a team switch, and I ended up interviewing remotely for a new team within my company. So it's what we call mobility and getting an offer from that new team. So I went from not only going into lockdown slash quarantine, but also informing my current team that I was going to be making a transition to another team, all the way down to handing over all of my responsibilities, everything that I was working on within about 30 days, all via Zoom, all via remote working, because obviously I couldn't be in person to have any of those conversations with my team or transition any knowledge transfers uh, or responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to starting a brand new team with yeah. people that to this date I've been working with, with for six months and I've never met in person. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely interesting. Mm-hmm. So going back to March, what was it like for you to have to, because I know you moved out of your apartment, right? And yes. they, your company didn't really tell you that you would be officially working from home for however long. So how did you come to the decision that you were going to move out of your apartment? Yeah. So that was something I struggled with for a very long time. Obviously, living in the Manhattan area is not cheap. I had an apartment that I was paying all the rent for, even utilities, um, that I was not living in from March onward, basically. I think I made one trip back uh, for clothes, and that was really, that was it. That was, and some plants. I didn't want my plants to die. Uh, So I brought my plants home and I think another bag of clothes because I essentially left Manhattan in the middle of the the work week, like on a Wednesday evening with one duffel bag of a couple sweaters. I had no idea that that was going to be the start of this, you know, months long quarantine lockdown. So it was really challenging to not have any guidance from my company. And I know that that's pretty, that's not surprising. Like a lot of companies have taken the approach of just not giving any guidance. Mm -hmm. And it's really difficult because you feel like you're in limbo. You feel like unless they say you don't have to worry about coming into office until X date, you cannot make plans. It feels like any week you could be asked to come back into office. Otherwise, you could risk losing your job. And it's incredibly stressful to live just under that uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So for me, at a certain point, obviously, this is a pandemic. This is unprecedented times. I made the decision that I need to do what's best for myself and best for my current circumstances and that everything else I could work out. Because at this point in time, if your employer is not being like the most understanding because we're in a pandemic of a scale that we haven't seen in like a hundred years, that probably should be a red flag to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that for all of us right now during COVID, there's just so much uncertainty around everything. Like you can't make plans the way that you wanted to, you know, there's no like three year plan anymore, five year (laughs) plan. Like it's all gone. feels like there's not a two week plan for me. Honestly, I I, kind of struggle. I I saw a meme that said in quarantine, there's yesterday, today and tomorrow. And that's genuinely how I feel. It's like you have to operate taking things one day at a time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's been kind of crazy to have to adjust to that. Yeah. So how are you finding working from home? Like, are you have you reached a good balance or is it still feel like you're just living at work basically? Yeah. Balance working from home is really difficult because now there's no reason to leave the office because you're already at home. So Mm -hmm. I think that that line between work time and home time really blurs. And especially I think that's kind of heightened by the guilt that people have for stepping away from their desk for whatever reason during the daytime, even Mm -hmm. though if we're being honest, in the office, we all would have stepped away for a 30-minute coffee break yeah. to go s- catch up with a coworker, mm-hmm. to go get, you know, 
lunch in the afternoons, but now it feels like every time you step away, there's this sense of guilt and shame, like, mm-hmm. oh, I should be working every second. Even yeah. though in reality, even if we were in office, none of us would be working every second mm-hmm. of the eight, nine, ten hour workday. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been really challenging. <laughs> and the balance thing, I feel like that's always a work in progress. I think it's difficult because when we first shifted to remote, every team wanted to prove that we could be remote just the same as in office. Mm-hmm. And so it really pushed everybody to kind of max out their productivity. It's almost like a way of proving this works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except now we're six months in and people are starting to burn out mm-hmm. because it's hard to even justify taking a vacation when you're already at home. Mm-hmm. So I think we really need to figure out how to shift a lot of our preconceived norms about working culture in general just questioning it all and throwing out whatever ideas we had of an in-office culture because we're not in office. So we really shouldn't expect in-office working norms to apply to at home. Also, I feel like it's not fair because I know that people do want to show that you're doing just as well working from home. But even if we all just went to work from home, not during a pandemic, like, I don't think it's it's acceptable to think that we're going to have the same level of productivity. And especially during a pandemic when you have to worry about all these other different things, you know, you're just not going to be as productive. And it's just a normal human response, you know, because of what's going on right now. Completely agreed. And I think, too, that that's been kind of one of the worries of the future of remote work. People mm-hmm. have made the argument that right now we're all stuck at home, so all we have to do is work. But Mm -hmm. if we were living in quote unquote normal times, non-COVID times, there would be so many things that you'd want to go do. So you'd want to get off on time because you'd want to go to the park with your kids or Mm -hmm. you'd want to go see a movie or go to a restaurant. And I think right now we don't have that Mm -hmm. option of leaving. So a lot of people have filled that time with working. So it's led to a lot of people working extra hours. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think right now there's people are starting to come to terms with that because I mean, six months of anything... It's like, okay, you can keep it up for a couple of months, but especially at six months, especially with school starting to return, Mm -hmm. whether parents are going to have to homeschool their kids or not, I think that's going to be really interesting to see how companies deal with that challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, But for you, why don't you talk a little bit about how your company has handled a lot of the uncertainty around starting? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's been quite hard because with my visa application, obviously it's going to take longer for things to process. And yeah, it has taken a while for them to communicate to me what's going to happen. And at the moment, my start date is sometime in September, in early September. And it just doesn't seem quite feasible right now for me to move given the circumstances and given everything that's going on. And if I move to the UK, I do have to quarantine for two weeks upon arrival. Yeah. I probably will have to get tested and planes are filling up now. It's not like they're completely empty like you would see right at the beginning of quarantine Mm -hmm. because people want to travel. And I mean, I'm not going to be traveling, you know, just for leisure, but I know a lot of people are doing that. So... Yeah, it's been very uncertain, and I've tried to just not think about it too much because (laughs) I feel like if you think about it too much every day, you're like, what's going to happen? What date exactly am I going to be moving? And you try to make all these plans. They always fall through just because of the time that we're living in. And so, yeah, I've just tried to not think about it too much. What advice do you have for other students who were in your, or who are in your same situation? Because I'm sure this is not a common case because, you know, you're supposed to start work in the fall you have maybe a virtual start or a a delayed start. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing in that free time? What are you going to do? 
if this doesn't pan out. Mm-hmm. Well, for one, I'm starting this podcast with my sister. <laughs> no, I think it's really important to have different hobbies. So I've had my tech blog and Instagram for a long time, but obviously during university time, you just get so busy and you don't have the time to do the things that you want to do. So I've really dedicated time to doing that. I am also doing an Adobe Illustrator course because I want to learn more about graphic design and I'm also working on an app. Um, so there's just, you just need to find projects that you really love and you want to put some time into because right now you have the time, so you might as well use it. Um, and I think it's also really important to sit down and think about what you really want to do with your career moving forward and what's important to you. Um, I think it's really easy for people when they start a new job right after graduation to just dive in and take whatever job um, is available and not really think about what am I interested in and what do I want my career to be like moving forward. So I think it's important to take that time, you know. Definitely. I mean, I took eight months off Mm -hmm. between when I graduated and I started my full-time job. Mm -hmm. And I use that time to travel to also start my blog, Just Mm -hmm. a Coder Thing, and my Instagram. And I learned so much during that time and that if I hadn't had those eight months to just kind of think about what I wanted and plan, I definitely wouldn't have learned all of that. So I think it's, I think it's great that you're taking this time to keep learning, keep trying to do things. Um, obviously, we're both very privileged because we happen to be living at home. We're really yeah. lucky. We're up in Vermont, which is where our parents live full time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we live in a homestead. So we do a lot of fun things like stacking wood on the weekends. <laughs> yeah. um, what advice do you have for other students, though, whose start date has either been postponed or maybe their, their internship was rescinded and they're looking for money? What advice do you have? Yeah, I would say look online and don't just look for jobs. You can also look for internships. You can look for uh, part-time work on, you know, Glassdoor and LinkedIn and all these different sites. It's a very tough job market out there right now. And I know from friends that they've applied to so many different jobs and they've only heard back from a couple. And these are friends who are also very experienced, um, very intelligent. And yeah, it's just difficult because a lot of companies aren't hiring right now. So I guess my advice would be to just apply for everything that you're interested in and, you know, keep improving your resume, keep doing projects that, uh, you can talk about that you're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. I think especially now, this is really interesting to see the tech industry respond to COVID because I think that this really starts to define what's a tech company Mm. because in theory, a technology company should be able to be completely remote because we already pretty much sit at our desks and code and we have meetings, collaborative sessions to agree on certain things. But for the most part, you do code on your own desktop Um, And you don't really need to be in person for any of that. Mm -hmm. I think it's been really interesting for me, at least because we've seen companies like Airbnb experience 25% layoffs, Mm -hmm. TripAdvisor, Yelp. Like these are companies which have branded themselves to be technology companies, but I don't actually think they are. Mm -hmm. I think that's really, that's, that's a, that's a travel, you know, that's travel industry. That's the tourism industry. I think Airbnb should really be classified as a real estate company Mm -hmm. because that's what they do. And I think it's been interesting to see because especially working at a bank, even though I think banks have been trying to rebrand themselves as FinTech to try and attract engineering talent and push themselves as technology companies, we're not actually selling technology. Mm -hmm. We're not selling software as Mm -hmm. a service We're our main industry is finance. Mm -hmm. So the finance industry's sway has a lot more impact on our day to day 
and our business overall than technology trends mm-hmm. or, well, maybe not technology trends, but I think like the impact of the tech industry, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So I think it's been really interesting to see how that's played out with COVID yeah. for t- companies that try to brand themselves. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they're, if they're trying to brand themselves as tech companies, every company essentially would be a tech company because you need exactly. technology behind everything. Unless you're literally like selling paper, I don't know, books to someone out of your, out of a physical location, you yeah. know, but even then you need tech, you know, behind Agreed. it. So yeah. I, I think it's tricky, right? Yeah. Because everything's becoming a technology company. So mm-hmm. then at that point, like, is anything a tech company? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Because then you can start classifying. You can say, well, Google's an ad company, mm-hmm. right? Facebook is ads as well, right? That's how they make their money. Like, if you yeah. classify companies based off what their main revenue stream is, mm-hmm. then I think a lot of companies stop being tech companies, per se, mm-hmm. even though they employ a lot of engineers. Mm-hmm. Target does, Walmart does, like all of these e-commerce companies have tons and tons of engineers, Mm -hmm. but I still wouldn't classify them as tech companies. I would say they're still commerce Mm -hmm. or retail, whatever you want to call it. But I think it's been really interesting. Um, Yeah, I'm also quite impressed with companies that have said that they're going to be uh, full-time remote, like Twitter. Yeah. You know, that's quite impressive that they've made that decision already and they're going to sell, you know, the office spaces and all that. I actually saw REI also is going to sell their brand new built unused headquarter campus that they just built in the state of Washington. Wow. They're putting the whole thing up for sale. Mm -hmm. It was some like, I don't know, thousand acre campus. Wow. Brand new. And their employees haven't even used it yet. And they already said that they're going to transition to full remote. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that going into the industry? I don't know. I don't think I mind working from home, you know? And I think that it's nice to be able to live where you want to live and, you know, you don't have to commute. It's great for the environment. Like we're seeing, it's so good for the environment that people are not commuting every single day. Um, But obviously I think there are problems with uh, creating work-life balance because you live at home. And we really can't do much beyond go for a grocery run or go on a drive or go on a hike somewhere, you know? Do you have any apprehensions about forming relationships with your teammate, with your manager, your buddies, the people in the workplace that you would normally have a day-to-day interaction with that kind of helps you feel like you know them because there's those one-off conversations? Because you you have had the in-office experience through your internship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely have. So I think that would help me because I've already met some of these people that I'm going to be working with moving forward. So yeah, I kind of already know like their personalities and how to work with them. Um... But yeah, it is quite hard. And I also think that it's quite hard to tell people's personalities over Zoom. <laughs> Completely. You know? Yeah. And it's yeah. so awkward and it feels forced and you're always like looking at your picture to see if you're smiling enough. Um, oh, I hate that. But when you're having a conversation with someone, you're not constantly smiling because it would be very strange, you know? You're also not constantly making eye contact. Yeah. Because that would also be very strange. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. And you can't see uh, body language, you know, you can't see how they're reacting. Yeah, it's it's going to be very difficult, I think, for people moving forward. Yeah. I think, like I said, I haven't met any of my teammates. Mm -hmm. We're a team of 16. I joined the team early May. And since then, I have been working with these people daily. I'm on Zoom calls with them regularly. I am chat, etc. But to this date, I've never met a single one of my teammates in person. Mm -hmm. It's weird because I feel like I know them all. Mm -hmm. But then I remind myself I've never met them in person. And that's just a super strange 
thing to kind of wrap your head around and reconcile. Yeah. It's and like having internet friends or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you know they're real people, but mm-hmm. then at the same time you're questioning that almost. Mm-hmm. Are they real? Yeah. Like, are these do these people exist? I think a lot of people are doing I've heard from friends that they're doing uh drinks or something like that over Zoom yes. to try to, you know, meet the people you're working with because I have friends who are also starting completely virtually and they've never met the people that they're working with as well. Yeah, it's tough. And I think it's also tough because uh, we've done the virtual drinks. We did Two Truths and a Lie virtually. I created slides, and I think I did it through Poll Everywhere, so you could vote on which one you thought was the lie. And it was really fun, because people had some crazy things on there, and mm-hmm. we all kind of got to joke. That being said, there was 15 of us on one Zoom call. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you can't have little splinter-off conversations, mm-hmm. which I think is really difficult, so it's mm-hmm. all, like, one big conversation. Yeah. Um, even with all of that, though... It's tough because you don't get time to just talk about your weekend or talk about something that you saw in the news or talk about something really random, right? Mm -hmm. And and make jokes together because there's no time that you're ever interacting with other people that's not scheduled and to an extent scripted because Mm -hmm. you're planning a meeting, you're planning something to discuss, right? Mm -hmm. Because obviously we're trying to be really mindful of not overcrowding schedules with meetings. That's another issue I've been having Mm -hmm. where my schedule is so packed full of meetings. I don't get to start coding until like 3 or 4 p.m. Wow. And that's the first time that I get two to three hours of consecutive uninterrupted time, which I think is challenging because for me, when I'm coding, it takes me a while to get into whatever I'm doing. So it Mm -hmm. takes me a while to kind of orient myself around what I'm working on, really thinking about the edge cases, thinking about how to make it super resilient. And once I'm in that headspace, context switching is really difficult for me. And I think that's just because it's a very logical, focused task. And so it's not equivalent for me to be able to say, oh, I have four 30-minute time slots that are open in my calendar. That's Mm -hmm. equivalent to four hours of work or Mm -hmm. two hours of work. Agreed. I think it's very different. So I just think it's difficult to get to know your teammates. Mm -hmm. And I definitely don't have that same sense of connection to my new teammates as I did the people that I sat next to in the office. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's necessarily bad Mm -hmm. because in a way it helps me keep more of a work-life boundary. Whereas previously, I think um, some teams start to feel a little too close. Mm -hmm. And when they feel so close, you feel like guilty for not coming into work Mm because you feel like you're letting down your friends rather than the fact that, okay, this is your job. Mm -hmm. This is your employer. If you're sick, you deserve time off because Mm -hmm. those are benefits that are given to you and you Mm -hmm. shouldn't feel guilty, uh, you know, of of not coming to work if you're sick, for example. Yeah. So I think that it's interesting because in some ways I have an easier time saying no to new teammates, which I think is great for me personally. But Mm -hmm. then at the same time, I think it's easy for misunderstandings to occur because Mm. you don't really know what people, you don't really know people outside of what you see in Zoom. Yeah. And you get such a limited snapshot that I know people who are very different when they talk about their work stuff Mm -hmm. as they are out of work. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to kind of see that difference. Yeah. I think it's really important though, like you're saying, to set boundaries, you know, especially because we don't really have the division anymore. So, yeah. Agreed. I think it's just challenging because especially, like I said, obviously bonuses, compensation, you know, ranking, all of this has to go on without us being in person. Mm -hmm. So it's very difficult, I think, to, especially as a woman, I think, satisfy that part of me that wants like all A pluses. Like Mm -hmm. I want the 4.0, I want the gold star. Yeah the honors, medal, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I'm a very competitive person. (laughs) And it's difficult because you feel like, to an extent, your performance is going to be measured by how productive, in quotes, Mm -hmm. you are. 
which I think will just end up leading to a lot of people doing more work than they should and not setting that boundary because mm-hmm. we don't know what's expected of us given the new situation. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm I'm personally really concerned, especially for women who are working moms, Yeah, how they're going to have to respond to this because mm-hmm. even the few women that I've talked to who do have kids, mm-hmm. I do not know how they can be expected to basically do three full-time roles all at the same time and not expect it to impact their job performance. Mm -hmm. And I also think that that's a huge problem because if we have all women being penalized for something that men should be equally shouldering the burden for, Mm -hmm. we're going to see a real issue, especially when we're already facing issues with senior leadership advancement for women in tech. Mm -hmm. We're already seeing issues retaining women in tech. Mm -hmm. The dropout rate of women who spend more than five years in the industry is staggering. Yeah, I feel like it's so hard because you want to be very strong and say, like, no, no matter what, I'm just going to stay in this industry because you love it, you know, because you want to be in tech, you want to work in tech. But even at university, it was so disappointing to have these constant, like, sexist experiences. And it did make me feel like maybe I'm not right for this, or maybe I should, you know, pick something where you're not going to have these constant terrible experiences. Um, But yeah, especially in industry, and I've definitely heard horror stories from my friends, even during internships where they've had terrible experiences, and luckily I didn't have that kind of experience when I interned, and that's basically the only industry experience that I've had, so it's been a good one. But yeah, I can understand why women just, you know, drop out and they don't want to have this bad experience anymore. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how employers decide to support women in tech specifically through COVID because women tend to be the ones who shoulder the majority of childcare responsibilities, even Mm -hmm. when both parents are working full time. Yeah, agreed. So I am a little bit apprehensive about moving forward, how this is going to impact senior, like, promotions, basically, to get women into those senior positions, Mm because honestly, it's hard enough with all the biases that surround promoting women into more senior positions, especially technical women or honestly just any women. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then with the added complexity of COVID and the impact that that has directly on women and may not impact men as much or Mm -hmm. as significantly, I think that's really, really difficult. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that I don't know. We have, obviously they're having like Grace Hopper is coming up soon and all of these uh, events that are, you know, promoting women in tech, but yeah. I know it's just tricky. I think there's a lot about remote working that we have yet to figure out collectively. Mm -hmm. I think kids going back to school is definitely a big one. Just from talking to some of the, my mentors who do have children Mm -hmm. and hearing about some of their concerns. Um, And also, I mean, I've been working full time since March And honestly, there are days where I don't even have time to make lunch or eat lunch, Mm -hmm. even when it's made for me. Like, that's how busy I am. Mm -hmm. And I I genuinely can't imagine what it's like having to actually care for a child or somebody who's sick, potentially, Mm -hmm. or a parent that's moved in with you. Because obviously, lots of us are in very disruptive living situations where we have people living at their parents' homes or parents living at their kids' homes and vice versa, right? So I think it's, it's really crazy to me that employers have expected things to not change yeah even though nothing about our world looks the same Mm -hmm. from seven eight months ago i've seen a lot of things saying that moving forward when you go into a job interview and they want you to ask questions about the company that a lot of people are saying i'm going to ask about how they handled covid you know how did they support the people how did they support 
mothers, you know, women, how did they, how did they handle it? Because if a company forced people to keep coming in office, even after, you know, we could clearly see that the pandemic was starting to really take off, then that doesn't reflect well on that company at all. I think it's a great question to ask in an interview, even as you're interviewing for jobs now. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing to ask, what are your plans for remote joiners? Definitely. What methods of support are you offering to people who are working at home? For example, like, do they provide a stipend to, you know, provide materials in your home to enhance your workstation? Yeah. If you're working in tech and you don't have a monitor, Mm -hmm. you're definitely not going to be as productive just by way of not having a screen. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a great thing, especially as we head into career recruiting season. Mm -hmm. Be cognizant of that. Mm-hmm. Ask those employers because I think an interview should be two-way. You should be interviewing the company just as much as they're interviewing you. Yeah, absolutely. So given everything that happened, are you happy that you made your job switch? Because you essentially started a new job, I mean, within the same company, but it's a completely new role. And I know that you had to do a lot of new research about the topic and yeah. So I think I'm personally really happy looking back that I made the switch. I think it was at the right time for me in my career, regardless of COVID. And I'm really happy because it was nerve wracking to commit to making that switch as we were going into lockdown, realizing I wasn't going to meet our team. There was a lot of uncertainty in general around how the whole year was going to go. So I'm happy that I committed to making the switch because I think that's what was the right move for me. Mm -hmm. I also, you know, I think that there's never a good time for a change. So I'm pretty happy that I decided to make the jump. In terms of starting with a new team, because it's true, I did basically have a completely new team, a new job function, not in the fact of like software engineering, but a new job in respect to the topic and the te- like the team, the sector that I was working with. I was working with a much more finance, cl- like a finance focused team rather than um, my previous team. I think the one thing that I underestimated was that my ramp up and that my time to feel like I was actually a part of the team and that I knew what I was doing and I wasn't just faking it anymore took a lot longer than it did on my first role, Mm -hmm. which is to be expected, except I kind of set these unrealistic expectations for myself about how long something should take. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I should be acclimated in like four weeks, but this isn't something that you can put a time on. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, it's just about showing up. It's about learning. It's about asking those questions, making mistakes, learning from the mistakes communicating with people on your team. So I think it's going to take you more time. Mm-hmm. I think for anybody who joins virtually, your ramp up, you're, you're going to have that like confidence graph that kind of shoots up and then it just plummets because yeah. you're going to realize how much you don't know and how much you have to learn. But don't be scared of that. Like just show up every single day, learn every single day, ask as many stupid questions as you can, because that's the only way that you're going to be able to move forward and start feeling like you belong somewhere. Okay, so that wraps up this week's episode on COVID and how it's changed the job market. We're going to be releasing this podcast weekly, so check back next week when we're going to be talking about what it's like for us to be women of color in tech. Thanks for listening.